With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And uh, it is a solemn, solemn, solemn day. The Texas Tech Red Raiders just got obliterated by the Texas Longhorns in embarrassing fashion. Um, my right-hand man, Dylan Smythe, is here with me. And uh, Dylan, how are you feeling? You were actually at the game, so I know you were feeling just as bad as we all were. Yeah, I was going to say, personally, the worst part about that football game was that I paid to go and see it. That I drove three and a half hours twice to go see it in person because I had talked myself into this notion that Texas Tech was good, that we were 3-0, and that Texas really wasn't all that we thought that they were going to be, that we could stop B. John Robinson. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? I I, well, so let's let's get into let's get into the game because we have a lot to talk about as far as all, all the other implications. But let's get into the game first. Um, and it was a game where just like normal, Texas Tech falls down early. First drive of the game, Texas kind of runs it down our throat. Bijan Robinson is everything we thought he was. Has a great game, and then Casey Thompson making direct, accurate throws when needed. Um, and they jump out to a, a quick. 14 nothing lead in the first quarter. How worried were you that Tech would be doomed from the very beginning? Oh, uh, we were we were worried quick. Honestly, we we get we were down 14-0 fast in a hurry. And, and and to me that was trouble because the last thing I wanted to do was give them the license to run Bijan Robinson all day and going up early that quickly, you know, it's it, it was it was an easy choice for them to just hand the ball off to their star, and it just seemed like the defense from the get go was non-existent. I mean that there was very little effort from the defense. It felt like the scheme was all wrong too. We just let Casey Thompson sit back there, and that was like the moral of the first half was just 
Casey Thompson was unbothered and they we made him look really really good and then obviously when you have Bijan Robinson it, it just went downhill quickly and yeah the confidence was was low fast so we talked about in the preview pod how much it was important for Tech to make Texas one-dimensional and let Casey Thompson beat us. And the first three games, we've even the SFA game, we've done a decent job of really stopping the run and making teams one-dimensional. The problem is you're going up against the best running back in college football. And B. John Robinson was every bit of the best running back in college football. There was, I mean, Colin Schooler, God, we talked about a pre-pod, he got embarrassed a few times. And that's one of our best linebackers. He's the guy who's going to play on Sundays, Colin Schooler. And he's getting embarrassed by Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson stiff-armed him, juked him a couple times, did the same thing to uh, uh, to Brandon Boyer-Randall, did the same thing to 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 Krishan Merriweather. Like, like Bijan Robinson is everything we, he was advertised to be. And so we had trouble stopping the run. And then because of that, you're all having a three-man front. We I've talked about it for three years now, how much I hate the three-man front. And it's continuing to bite us. So we can't stop the run. And then with the three-man front, Casey Thompson is just chilling. The whole time, just chilling back there, no pressure, no nothing. And Casey Thompson's proving that, hey, I may not be the most accurate quarterback, but if you give me all the time in the world, I'm going to find the open man. I I think PFF said we failed to record one quarterback hurry in the entire game. And wow. Wow, that is a true embarrassment. And this is not a great O-line. That's the crazy part about it. Texas fans were tweeting the entire game. Oh, man, this O-line really showed up. The commentators, and I know you were at the game, but the commentators were talking about a struggling Texas O-line playing the best they've ever played. And and, uh, the whole time they're talking about this, I'm thinking, are they really playing that great? Or are we only rushing three people? You know, like, you're talking about how great the O-line is. And and, and they did play well. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Texas O-line. But... It's when it's the, five on the three competition there. <laughs> it's five on three, the whole six on three the whole time. They're keeping an extra guy back there six on three. And then because of that, when it is a running play, they're just bullying the three guys over linebackers come up. By the time the linebackers come up, they're already three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And then you have, again, the best running back in college football, but John Robinson just doing whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, it was a disaster from the get go. It just, we, we came out flat once again and there was just no, it was insurmountable early. So there was a bright spot early on. We thought, Hey, here's the, here's that Texas tech momentum swing on fourth and nine. Texas blocks the punt, goes, takes it to the house, touchdown, 21-0, but wait, there's an offside penalty. He was off, he was easily offsides. Some Texas fans were debating. It, it wasn't a debate. It was easy offsides. And um, we go for it on now fourth and four. We get it, go down the field, score a touchdown, it's 14-7. Momentum is on our side. How did you feel in the stadium? Did you feel like, okay, we're just like every other week. Here we go. Text back in it. Well, I remember when I thought we were down 21 0, because, you know, I was on the opposite end of the stadium. I couldn't see an offsides. You know, I just saw the them return a punt. And I'm looking at my friends like, y'all good? <laughs> uh, and, and, then, and then it got called back and we scored. And I was like, okay, okay, we, we can settle down now. And I think I made the mistake of tweeting just like the rest of us did. Like, okay, we're in this. And, and because it, it felt like we were, yeah. It, it, honestly, it really did feel like we were for because we've we've gone through this three weeks in a row. We've gone through the fact that Tech goes down early and we have a momentum swing. We build, we work our way back into the game, and just like that, it's a ball game again. And so that was the momentum swing that offsides and then being able to in the fourth down conversion, carrying it into a touchdown. And so Roger 
started to actually started to gain some momentum himself. So Roger Thompson, his first game back, and I actually thought he played decently. Um, and and so you're like, okay, Tex, we're back in this. We get a defensive stop here, then the game is game's on. Like game is on. Problem is, a defensive stop could not be had. Yep. No. And, and then and then to jump ahead a few drives, that pick six. Once that pick six happened, wow. the air that was, the air went out of the room. Whatever energy Texas Tech had, it was gone and done with. That was the dagger. When the when the pick six happened, that game they, that game effectively with with uh, when did that happen? With seven with hold on when that pick six happened with nine minutes and forty nine seconds left in the second quarter, the game felt over from from everybody. The game felt over. Tyler Shuck got injured on that same exact play, and and they haven't diagnosed it yet. I, apparently, he's going to be out for a few weeks. It looked like a collarbone injury. Those are very tender, tender injuries, um, especially for a quarterback where you're using that rotation of your arm. Um, that's one that lingers throughout the entire season. So that's going to be a problem so, if it is collarbone. I'm not saying it is, but well, that's what I um, I'd read too. But I I, uh, I couldn't see that again from the stadium. We we just saw Henry Columbia come in. And we we're like, wait, what happened? What's going? He threw a pick six and you benched like, him. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, no, no. So luckily, I mean, it was an injury. I'm not gonna say luckily, but it was an injury. Do you know if it's uh, throwing but, or non-throwing? Was what I was gonna ask though. I it I couldn't tell okay. from the video. It honestly, it did look like his right side. Mm. Which is even worse, but I couldn't. I couldn't honestly uh, fully tell. Um, and uh, right now, it's all it's all uh, uh, skepticism. Mm. We, no, nobody truly okay. knows the injury. But if you, uh, if, if I had to bet money on it, it, it looked like a collarbone type injury. Uh, it was definitely. It's also especially didn't help that it, he didn't really get hit too hard. And it's not like say it's one of those kind of freak injuries. But the way he was walking, the way he was point, what he was pointing to, it looked and seemed like a collarbone injury. Oh. So. Uh, Hold on. Breaking news from apparently our producer, Kenzie. Uh, Matt Wells has said that he broke his collarbone, Tyler Shuck. Full break, huh? Breaking news. Actually, she sent Full. it She sent it 18 minutes ago. We're just not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out to Kenzie, our graphic superstar. But so full break, broken collarbone. Uh, that I mean, that's a problem. And actually, let's stop. we can talk about that right now. That is a... Tyler Shuck with a full broken collarbone. That is something that it usually takes at least a month to heal. And even after that is something that lingers. I mean, it's, it's anytime you even get t- tapped on the chest, you're, there's a fear of it getting broken again. That is a rough injury to worry about. So the, th- this brings us into our, our next topic, I guess. Uh, this means Henry Columbia's the, the guy for the next few weeks. And we were talking about the lone bright spots on this team henry columbia was one of them absolutely so so from that point game's over like we said 28 7 game's over i mean actually before we get into henry columbia because i got to talk about this next drive (laughs) henry columbia's first drive on offense and it's nothing to do with henry columbia i didn't think he played bad at all but so you talk about you have your backup coming in down 28 7 right everybody feels like the game is over but if we're being honest it's still only nine minutes left in the second quarter you're down by three touchdowns he still technically got a shot uh, and you know what you do is and the first play you do is Henry Columbia to, to Geiger for 11 yards. Great. Fantastic. You're working your way down. Then you do a run, a run, a run on third and four. You're on your 40 yard line <laughs> on your own 40 oh, yard God. line. I forgot about this. <laughs> <laughs> and big brain Matt Wells is like, you know what? We're going for it <laughs> on your own 40 yard line. And then, and then. Calls one of a terrible, an absolutely awful play, an absolutely awful play 
fourth and six, seven minutes to go in your, in the in the second quarter with your backup quarterback after you've decided to run the ball three times in a row. Um, in the pantheon of bad coaching decisions that Matt Wells has made in the in the two two years and four games, that's up there. Yeah, up there. they always seem to come against Texas, but uh, oh my god, I just yeah, I I was at a loss for words. There. I was like, wait, we're going for it, and, and immediately I thought, you know what message that this sends? This sends the message that if we don't score on this drive, it's game over. That's that's Matt Wells admitting that fact by call you know by going for it on fourth and six in your own territory. Oh, a thousand percent. That, that, that's you're letting your team know. You're letting the other team know. You're letting the fans know. You're letting everybody know. We think the game is over. We think if we don't do this, the game is over. Um, and so at that point, I mean, if you're the team, what do you expect at that point? You don't get the fourth down. It may it leads to an easy Texas touchdown because they only have 40 yards to go. It's now 35-7. I mean, the game is you have thrown the white flag. You've given up. You're saying, yep, that there it is. We're we're done here. And uh, it just and it like this uh, this goes out there. We always talk about that second down and field goal decision. Um and playing prevent defense to lose games that he's done. Um and and just the the the, the onside decision that he made a few years ago. This goes, this is up there. Fourth and six on your own 40 in the second quarter? I guess this is, oh my God, this is, that was just, I was beside my, I was like, maybe he's, maybe he's just trying to get him off sides to get a fourth and one. Fourth and one, I can maybe understand it. But just so much, so much wrong with that decision. But anyways, abysmal Matt Wells decision aside, Henry Columbia does come in. That drive, his coaching staff sets, sets him up for failure. But after that, comes in. Plays pretty well. Plays pretty well. Starts it off with that forty-yard touchdown pass to Miles Price that we were talking about before. Um, and, and the second, and in the second half, and I know you said you had left by that point, but was dropping dimes. A, a great play to Loic Fungi uh, later in the second half. First, he has another play in the second half. Play number one to Kalen Geiger for seventy-five yards. I mean, he just he balls out. Uh, and there's not much more I can say about how good Henry Columbia was in this game. What really upset me about how well Henry Columbia was playing was the fact that like, I think in the first half, I don't know if we threw a pass more than 15 yards down the field. Like we, we had no interest on in actually taking a shot with Tyler Shuck. It was almost like we had no confidence in our play calling until it was too late. Like we didn't take a shot. We didn't throw a pass that was worth a damn until it was far too late. And then your backup quarterbacks in, it's like, all right, let's, let's let it fly. You know what? I have a, so I have a different theory. Like we just said, Matt Wells threw the white flag in the second quarter. They, it was heavy effort energy. I'll just throw it. Who cares? Like, just chunk it deep. Like, I, I truly believe they were like, oh, let's just call it deep plays and just throw it deep and see what happens. Like, it's game's over. We're down four touchdowns already. Like, it's, it's 35-7. Like, who cares? Like, that's truly what I, I honestly believe was the case. Like, our starter's not in. We don't have to call, actually have a game plan anymore. You know, like uh, the whole Matt Wells thing is he's always done is he wants to really bleed the clock on offense. They said, forget all that. Forget our philosophy as a coach, offensive coaching staff. Just let's madden it. And it worked. It worked. Henry Columbia balled out. It worked. And we were able to score points and make an embarrassing showing less embarrassing. I know it's crazy that I can say it's less embarrassing to lose only by five touchdowns. But that's honestly what I mean. We were losing by four uh, by um, we were losing by 35 at the beginning of the second of the third quarter. So it's to end the game only losing by 35, it's a blessing. 
speaking of embarrassing, just the, leaving the game at halftime with just you know all the eyes of Texas upon you, <laughs> it was it's, it was uh, <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. It's it was rough. It, this was an embarrassing showing. Texas beating Texas Tech seventy to thirty five. Let 70 points go. So one thing I do want to talk about is the defense. Um, we've talked about Keith Patterson being a really good defensive coordinator. We, we, we've talked about it consistently that he is the, – the, the talent has gotten better. We're short tackling this year. Like the, the Texas Tech defense of old had not appeared. And we didn't think this was the same Texas Tech defense of old this year anyway. Right? Um, and then this game, it reared its ugly, ugly head. There is no – really nothing – positive to say about how good the defense played Bijan robinson ran all over him roshan johnson ran all over him casey thompson had ivory all day in the pocket was torching the secondary throughout um it just i mean how bad was this defense in this game they they were non-existent they you know they didn't show up they were a ghost of themselves um usually there's like a redeeming factor this defense you know at least it's like well the linebackers balled out or well we at least we caused a couple turnovers we we did none of that you know i think i guess deadrain taylor let's talk about him for a second he was the lone shining star on the defense to me i mean he's the only one that really stood out we talked about pre-pod that his pass breakup i think it was in the first half yeah it was because i was still there um it, he was there was some separation and, and he he made up that space quick and, and knocked that ball yeah. down. It was a really impressive play. Yeah, I mean he had that play. He had a couple t- uh, tackles on screens that were really impressive. He also had that interception in the third quarter uh, when Texas was really trying to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give I give Sark this credit. Um, he goes for the jugular. Goes for the juggler. He doesn't. They don't let up. They go all fu- fully all the way. Learned that at Alabama. So I, I got to give Sark that credit. Um, they did not let up in this game. Even in the third quarter, they were still going after our necks, and that's why they were able to drop a 70-piece. Um, you, if we don't like it, we should have stopped it. We couldn't stop it whatsoever for all four quarters. Uh, but De'Adrian Taylor-Demerson was a lone bright spot in this game. He played pretty well. Um, I, I was saying pre-pod that I guess Colin Schooler wasn't a completely awful, but I, he, I mean, he led the team in tackles. But he, like I said, Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson made him look like a JV player. And he was our best JV player. It was he looked like he looked like our best JV player on a team full of JV players. Um, but it's it was a it, it, the defense was just I, I don't. There's not much more I can say with how bad, truly awful they were. Um, and it's this is not one of those games. I saw some people saying this is a burn the tape game. It's not a burn the tape game. You got to watch every single bit, bit of it. You need to, you need to watch just how bad you were and make sure you never do it again. Because this is like we you cannot be Texas Tech of old. You just you cannot be that type of defense. This defense is too talented to be Texas Tech of old. And, um, but they didn't show it in this game. A national televised game on ABC. Everybody's tuned in to watch this Texas Tech team. And all you showed them was, oh, this is the same Tech we've always seen. This is nothing's new. This is the same bad defense. This is the same, you know, out, nothing's changed from what we've known previously. And that's what you showed on tape. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, all the stereotypes people have of Texas Tech football unfortunately came to life and and just reaffirmed it in all their heads and and now we have to listen to UT fans for a year. Yeah, because and we talked about this pre-pod. UT fans, one thing if UT fans for whatever reason are listening to this, like the the worst part about UT fans are they don't say anything before the game. They don't have actual confidence in their team. They say nothing before the game. So, like, they'll, they'll stay quiet. They won't do anything. The second they win a game, all trash talk goes loose. We've had it on our IG page. We've had it on 
Twitter. We've had it all types of because now that they have, you know, the the game itself behind them, they can say, oh, well, now we can talk trash to you because we won. Uh, one thing I always appreciate about tech fans is we'll talk trash before, during, after, even after a loss. Yeah, uh, tech, even after we lose. Fans, <laughs> we lost by five touchdowns and tech fans were still defending tech on Twitter. I love it. Like, I'm like, there we go. Like, don't, we're not, we're not faking it. And that's one thing I just, but it just, you lose by this, you get whooped by this and you have Longhorn fans out of the woodworks that now feel somewhat proud of their team. Um, even though they didn't feel proud of their team beforehand. So it's just, you were given credibility where credibility isn't earned. And that's what, that's one of the worst parts about this. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to find like good news and silver linings and there's just not very many to be had. Something I did see not Texas tech related per se, but the big 12 is a crap show. That's what we learned about the big 12 this week. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe there's some more dubs in that schedule, but Maybe, maybe. I mean, I, uh, um, it's, I will say this is it is one game. It is one game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that is one thing to take away from this is that it is one game. It doesn't matter if we would have lost 35, 36 or lost 35 to 70. It is just one loss on the schedule, a bad loss, an embarrassing loss, a terrible loss, but still just one loss. If we come back and we have a really good showing against West Virginia next week and maybe even beat West Virginia next week, well, then, then it's, it's, we're back to square one, right? Like I, a preview pod, I predicted tech to lose. So it's not as shocking to me that tech lost. I didn't know it. And, and a thousand years think that they were going to lose in this fashion. But um, but but you know, tech tech losing this game wasn't too much of a shock to me. It's but it's we're gonna see how this bounces back. A loss like this can linger. And I think that's really the main thing the coaching staff has to do today. Or we're recording this on Sunday. And today, make sure that loss does not linger. Any meetings they have Monday morning, make sure that hey, let's get on this. We are not gonna let that showing affect us going forward. And they they just can't. They just simply can't do that. So um, one. So we, we do need to talk about, though, as embarrassing as this loss is, we, we ain't new to this or true to this. Uh, embarrassing losses at Texas Tech. R.C. Maxfield put out a Twitter poll as far as embarrassing losses, talking about some of the big ones in Texas Tech lore for the past decade. Uh, so he brought up the 66-6 beatdown in 2011, where Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman just went all over us, just killing us. Those were all the great memes and gifts. Uh, you know, yeah, the kid, the kid that down, had his guns yep. up with his head down. <laughs> we have um, another guy, the, the the dancing, the the dancing ginger, the dancing ginger gif uh, during that beatdown. It was all types of stuff. That was a big one. Um, we also have the 82-27 SmackDown in Fort Worth. That was during the Kingsbury era. That was pretty embarrassing as well. Um, one thing that RC didn't bring up, and I, I talked about it with you, was with Mahomes at Iowa State losing 66 to 10 was truly an embarrassment as well. Uh, what is in the past decade to you the most is the embarrassing Texas Tech showing? Is this it? Or is there something else that takes a cake? Well, you know, it's really unfortunate. The 2011 was my freshman year. 2014 was my junior year. And then this 2021, obviously I'm graduated, but I just so happened to be at the game. So I almost take all three of these a little personally. <laughs> uh, I just remember the TCU one being rather embarrassing because I believe the amount of fireworks that they blew up, they eventually ran out of. They, they scored ran so many points, yep. they didn't have the fireworks left. Yeah, they ran out of fireworks. Uh, not great, Bob. 
Not great. Oh, and one I actually forgot. I forgot about this one. The loss at Kansas. It wasn't a blowout, but we lost Kansas. to Kansas. Yeah. It's, it's it's Kansas. So that has to go up there too. Um, so you're saying the TCU though one was the the biggest the biggest embarrassment. I and again, and maybe it's we talk about taking it personally. Um I out of all those, there's only one that I sat through. And that is the Oklahoma State loss in 2011. And that loss, I refused to leave until we scored a touchdown. <laughs> I refuse. I, I refuse to do it. I'm not leaving until we score. Score in the third quarter. I was like, all right, all right, my, my, I was with my ex. All right, babe, we can go home. Like, like this is. I am not. I'm not leaving until we score. We finally scored, but it was a truly embarrassing game because going into the game, similar to this Texas game, going into that one, we were prepared. We said, hey, this is upset city, baby. We're gonna upset a top ten team in the nation. Oh, forget Brandon Whedon. Justin Blackman's not better than Crabtree. We're gonna show them. We're gonna. They're going to walk into our field. We're going to show them what we're made of. And we got smacked. And the difference between this game and all the other ones, this was a home game. All the rest, all the games, we, all the other ones we mentioned were road. At TCU, at Iowa State, at Texas, at Kansas. This was at home getting beat down. Now, Oklahoma State was a very good team. So I, I, that's one takeaway. But still, an absolutely terrible showing uh, against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And really, that was a game where everybody was was through at Tuberville. That was the game where everybody was like, man, F this guy. We don't want him back. This, that, and the other. And then he ended up saying, well, you know I don't what? want you either. <laughs> I don't like you either, so that works. <laughs> this, this relationship is mutually hated. There's mutual hatred on both sides. So um, that's so I will say, like, taking a day from the game, I have I have kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, think Honestly, thinking about some of those other embarrassing moments have made me realize, you know what? <laughs> At least we had Henry Columbia. <laughs> At least we had DeAndre Taylor and Demerson. We're, At least there's some bright spots. We're good <laughs> you know? for one of these every other year. Yeah, it just it unfortunately it is what it is. Um, but the big I think the biggest problem that I have is that a good tech team has never gotten beat like this. Uh, all the years, all the the terrible losses we're talking about, none of those teams made uh, made a bowl game. All those teams were losing teams, and so that's not great, Bob. Um, so, but again, we can't let this linger. Hopefully this doesn't go forward. Uh, but Matt Wells can't be doing stupid stuff like going for it fourth and six on your own 40 in the second quarter ever again. Yeah. Or he won't be here. Yeah. And and I think Cumbie and Patterson deserve some, some heat too. I mean, the play calling on offense was just lackluster. I mean, it was, it was boring. It it was like, like beating your head against a wall. It was, it was bad. Yeah. And up until it was too late. Um, yeah, and, I mean, and then defensively we, we, we wouldn't make adjustments. We just did the same damn thing that wasn't working all day. Well, but see, the thing about defensively is we, we, it's like, it's every week, every time we have a bad tech game defensively for the past three years, we know we can point to, we know we can point to the fact that the three, that he's refusing to blitz. We're spending all day, uh, uh, the, the opposing quarterback spending all day back there. And because of that, the secondary who's trying to hold up as much as they can, once five seconds goes by, in any, in any level, once five seconds goes by in the secondary, that is an eternity. And it's it's hard to stay with anybody past that time. And then it's, it is what it is. So, like, it's, it's, but we complained about this before. And it's like Keith Patterson, some games he shows up, some games last week against FIU, we were blitzing like crazy. It was awesome. And so other games, he's like, mm, I'm okay. We don't need to. And it's just, it's, that's that's frustrating. Same thing, actually. Excuse me. But Sonny Cumbie. Early in the game, doing the same thing with targeting Eric Azucanma. 
That's how that interception happened, was targeting mm-hmm. Eric Azukama consistently. And they saw it right? coming from a mile away. They the whole saw- stadium did. Like, it's, it's why? We have other receivers. Like, he's great. I get it. Easy is fantastic. An absolutely incredible receiver. We have other guys, too. Right? Like, that's, that's and I've, I've, I've pointed out before, is when we had Crab, we still had Detron Lewis. Right? When we had um, a Dream, we had Kuti. When we had Kuti, we had other players. Like, we have, you have guys that you can spread the ball out to. You don't just have to target Ezukanma. Right. You don't have to. We don't have to Jalen Rager this. I guess that's what you did. TCU and TCU. We have other receivers. Let's. And that's that's a big problem. You're, you're all right. Top to bottom. Uh, a failure from the coaching staff. Not just Wells. Everybody. Uh, just the, the, the players didn't look prepared. They didn't look like they were ready to play this game. And I don't see how you are not ready to play Texas in your first conference game. I just don't see how it's how you're not ready to play that game. That's that's truly, truly awful. So, um with that, I mean, look, this is Wells' third year. He's coming into his third year on the hot seat. Any showing like this, people are going to make those conversations. I'm, I was victim to it. I was, I, we talked about it on the, the, the TNT main page. I said something about it on my Twitter page. Are you already looking at replacements? I mean, I've been looking at replacements for a few years, <laughs> if we're being real honest. Um, but I do think... The, the bottom line for Matt, Matt Wells is bowl eligibility. And the, it, I don't think my stance is going to change on that. If he's not, if we're not bowl, bowl eligible, he's gone. And then, yeah, you give Sonny Dykes a call. So here's my thing, though, is that so I, I looked back and I thought about this. And so Tommy Tuberville in his third year at Texas Tech went seven and five. Cliff Kingsbury in his third year at Texas Tech went seven and five. If you can't beat two guys that we deem as two of the worst coaches we've had at Texas Tech in your third year. This is the year where it's supposed to all come together. This is, You no longer have the excuse of, oh, well, we don't have the talent. Oh, we don't have the maturity. They're not my players. We don't players. have this, that, and the other. Not my players. You don't have that excuse anymore. This is your third year. And if you can't be respectable by your third year, and I'm not even saying 7-5 is great. I'm just saying it's respectable. If you can't be respectable by your third year, you can't do better than what we've deemed as two of the worst coaches we've had and in tech history, well then what are we what are we paying you for? And I think one of the worst things, I know you talked about bowl eligibility. I'm scared. What scares me, what truly scares me if tech goes six and six this year. Because to me, six and six is just not good enough with the talent we have on this team. But it is bowl eligible. But going six and six this year, to me, is just that is I'm really I think that'd be enough to keep his job, and I but I don't think it it should be. And that's that I think that is what worries me most about Matt Wells and this team. As of right now, I predict us to go 7-5 and five at the beginning of the year. A 7-5 and five team doesn't get spanked by five touchdowns to Texas. Uh, but even if we go 6-6, six and six, the, the, I, I just think that's good enough for him to keep his job, but it doesn't – it shouldn't inspire confidence in anybody. It should at least, like, if we're, if we're there at the end of the year, Kirby should at least be making some phone calls, putting out some feelers. Like, Sonny, would you be – would you even consider leaving SMU right now? You know, like – yeah, I, I think. Listen, I'll and, and actually, I I want to bring this up because Mike Leach also went nine and five in his third year. So I just putting that out there. <laughs> but um, I, I do think here's my thing. I've won. I, full disclosure, I've wanted Sonny Cumbie since 2013, right? I wanted Sonny Cumbie had just when Tarberville left. Sonny Cumbie had just taken the cow job, and I was like, would he leave? Talking about <laughs> Sonny Dykes. 
or Sonny, oh, I said Sonny Cumbie. Sorry, yeah, Sonny Dykes. I wanted Sonny Dykes in 2013. I asked when he took the Cal job in, in 20, he had just taken the Cal job. And I'm like, would you, would you be willing, like, this is your dad's alma mater. Like, I know it'd be pretty messed up, but would you leave? He's a man of honor. He said, I just took this job. I won't do it. Um, and 2019, I still wanted him, even though he had an unceremonious exit from Cal. Uh, and, and I, but I still wanted him to be the head coach of Texas Tech. Not a lot of people were on me on my side for that. Makes sense. Uh, but so far, he has shown his his whole a double or uh, you know a money sign money sign at SMU. He is. I mean, he's the hottest group of five coach in the country, right? And he looks. I say this. He looks happy at SMU. I'm mm-hmm. not. Whenever you've coached coached around a little bit and you find a really comfortable spot. I get all that. And once so I'm not you've like built something, and he's built something yeah. there. He, he, he's built something that's sustainable, right? Um, so I'm not saying he would leave. But I do think that Tech is one of the schools he might leave for, right? Like, to, to, I mean, obviously, there's there's obvious, you know, parallels here. He used to, not just because his dad is a legendary Tech coach, he used to be an assistant here. He knows the the, the offensive scheme here. He knows what, he was here when we were successful. So he knows what can happen at Tech to be successful again. Um, to me, I've heard, I saw a lot of names come by yesterday as far as potential coaches that come in. Listen, I think you call Sonny Dykes until he blocks you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until he blocks you. Until he's like, stop calling me. You call him repetitively, repetitively. I'm not saying that, but I think what you do is you pull you pull a Texas. Listen, Texas, in my opinion, fire Tom Herman knowing that Sark was coming. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, like if we know we're yeah. going to get rid of Matt Wells or we're even thinking about it, let's make sure we got someone on the line, you know? Yeah. I say you call Sonny Dykes until he blocks you. And that is my thing. And the same thing I said when it came to the basketball transfer. Do make a big money school move. Move like you're move like you're one of the one of the big big schools. And getting probably the hottest group of five coach in the country in Sonny Dykes is no different than when Texas got Tom Herman. Tom, I mean, Tom Herman was the hottest group of five coach. He just brought U of H back up to respectability. I mean, U of H, I think it went to the New York Six Bowl his, his uh, second year there. And so like that'd be a similar trend. You Two know, schools a, in the same conference. Grant. Two schools in the, same, in, the, in the AAC, which is a, a, the, the best group of five conference. So I, uh, But I think, yeah, I, I definitely think that, that Sonny Dykes is the guy. Uh, if there is not a guy, then, you know, who knows? We'll see. But uh, that's a little little early for the coach stock. I, I do yeah, want to say that. I, I it is a little early. Yeah. It is a little early. We do got to wait and see how this plays out. But when you lose 70 to 35, this is going to happen. It just, it is going to happen. You're going to start thinking about replacements. I guarantee you, boosters have already had conversations about, all right, who we're going to get in here. Because that's what happens when you lose 735 against a rival when everybody was hyped for this game. So that's what happens on national television, network TV. That's what's going to happen. My buddy asked me at halftime, what, what would you think of Graham Harrell? And I was like, that sounds like Cliff oh. Kingsbury 2.0, to be honest. Oh, it is. It's, a, it it's is. a less attractive I, Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I know, and I know that name's going to come up like crazy. Everybody's going to want him, but Graham Harrell is Cliff Kingsbury 2.0. I mean, it is what it is. If, if Wells doesn't start winning some games here, we're going to hear Graham Harrell's name like wildfire. Everyone's going to want Graham Harrell. And I would love Graham Harrell as our offensive coordinator. And, I would love it. And let me add. I just would not want him as I know said we're not going to get hung up on coaches, but the next person who mentions the name, Art Bryles, I will slap the out Lord, of you. Stop. <laughs> Please. No, stop. All right, listen. You know what? You know what? We'll do, Dylan. This will be our one obligatory Art Bryles thing. We're not going to not talk about him anymore. Art Bryles will not be the head coach of Texas Tech, nor should he ever 
be the head coach of Texas Tech. If somebody else wants to make that tragic mistake, let them make it. But that is, if like, look at the women around you in your life. Like, stop being one of those people that care more about football than 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 the the women in your life. Like, don't 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 sit here and be like, oh, well, he was exonerated. BS. Like, that's I don't I don't give a damn about all that. Like, he's he was around when the worst sexual assault scandal in college athletics history was was there, and that's just. That alone. I don't actually I don't want anybody with a name Bryles. Nobody with a name Bryles I want to touch the Texas Tech University system. Um and so yeah, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it at all. But uh yeah, that's all we got. Um an embarrassment. It's just an absolute embarrassment against the Texas Tech Red or Texas University Longhorns. Um but shout out, shout out to Henry Columbia, man. I, I know he's riding on high. He had an absolutely fantastic game. Um, I definitely want to shout him and Deadron uh, Taylor Demerson out because they, every other player that played in this game played terribly, but those two guys showed up, and for that they deserve credit. And and just the early an early preview of next week, West Virginia. You know who beat West Virginia last year? Our boy Henry Columbi. That's true. That is true. That hey Henry Columbi trying to make it two for two. Against West Virginia, I will be at that game. We so so far, with the exception of I think the Houston game, we're gonna have representation at every game so far. That's pretty, pretty impressive. There we go. You know, so I will be at the West Virginia game. I'll be in Morgantown. Uh, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was I was thinking I was thinking twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> Losing by five touchdowns to Texas, but win or lose, I'm gonna be there. Um, so it should be a good time. Uh, anything else you want to say to the people, Dylan? No, I want to not talk about this football game ever again. I want Matt That's, Wells to Venmo me seventy five dollars. <laughs> I know you. I know he listens to the pod, so you, hey, expect something because he, he Dylan if, if dash Matt my ve- that dash two. Get at me <laughs> if Matt Wells had to Venmo everybody for that embarrassment. Really, he should have to Venmo everybody just for that fork down call. For that fork down call, I'm still pissed about that. Who does that? Hey, and there anyway. were a lot of Red Raiders in the stands. We represented. And uh, we we were out by halftime, except for that one it's, guy. It's almost like every single time, except for that one guy that had his, double <laughs> that, team, yeah. or his, his guns up high in the air. Yeah. yeah, shout out to him. But it's almost like every time Tech fans get really excited about a game, in the last decade for that matter, every time Tech fans get truly excited, it's like, we got this. We just, the team just lays an egg. And, it's, it's, and we as fans never learn. <laughs> I was honestly Saturday morning I was getting nervous I'm like we're way too optimistic <laughs> like I don't like this optimism in yeah. the Texas Tech fan base because we've we've been hurt too many times and this is what happens right like every we all thought like worst come to worst this is going to be a competitive tough fought rivalry game and Texas beat us like they stole like we stole something. it was just Texas they treated us like a JV team and that's uh, that's just it's embarrassing so that's all I got. Um, I'm not going to be embarrassed by this game any longer. On to the next. West Virginia is next. We're going to have that preview pod later on. Also, we are going to have our Big 12 episode coming later this week as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, for our producer extraordinaire, that is Dylan. This is Albie. You've listened to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. As always, stay wrecked, people. <laughs>